0: When me and my sister were getting ready to go to the game. where I was like, oh my gosh, we look so Mexican. But sometimes like here in the U.S., like that's an insult, like to look Mexican. I don't know why, but over there, it wasn't like, it was a good thing. So I guess that's one of the things that surprised me the most was seeing other people be so proud of their country, like will also make you feel proud of where you come from and your country.
1: Good morning, this is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda-Salgado. The World Cup has drawn a lot of attention this year, but not for the reasons it usually does. The host nation of Qatar has been accused of human rights abuses connected with the construction of the facilities. Despite the reality, the purpose of the games has always been to bring people together. And in my experience, it has. Almost a year ago, some family members and I made the decision to go to the World Cup. We're a big soccer family, and the trip has been a lifelong dream, especially for my grandparents who live in Mexico City and haven't traveled beyond North America until this past week. Today, Epicenter reporter Danielle Himes and I discuss what it was like to attend the World Cup and cheer on the Mexican team.
2: I'm really curious about your World Cup journey. I think you're the only person I've ever known to go. So when did you first decide to go to this World Cup?
0: So I decided to go, um, I think earlier this year, like around January, um, my sister had brought it up and she had done like a lot of research on it and she realized it wasn't really as inaccessible as people thought it was. It was just like a matter of securing tickets on time and then after you got your tickets to the matches, everything else kind of came after. So accommodation came after, like plane tickets came after and um, your Haya card, which is like, your visa slash tickets to the matches slash like everything also came after.
2: Okay, let's talk Um, about tickets to the games. So do those vary in price?
0: I believe there was different kinds of tickets. So I think there was some tickets where you follow your team, tickets to individual matches. Those were the ones that varied in price, like depending on where you were sitting in the stadium.
2: And which games did you end up going to?
0: England, Iran, Um, France, Australia, and then Mexico, Argentina.
2: Okay, and your family's from Mexico, right? So I assume that was a big game.
0: Yes, that was a big game.
2: How was it? How was the energy? Were there a lot of Mexican fans there?
0: Yeah, so I think in general, in the World Cup, I believe Mexicans are like a group that most goes to the World Cup. So there was a, a ton, a ton of Mexican people in the World Cup that were hyping up that game and they were also hyping up the Poland versus Mexico game. But the day of the Argentina versus Mexico game, there was like an overwhelming amount of Argentinian fans. That stadium that I was in was the biggest stadium of the ones that they had in Qatar. I think it fits like 90,000 fans and a good half of them were Argentinian. So it was very intense when Argentina scored and you just hear so much noise coming from the fan, like the Argentinian fans all around you and then the Mexican fans were just quiet.
2: Yeah, tell me more about the energy of that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was very intense. I think that game was very intense already because for Messi, that was his last World Cup game. Mm. and that Argentina had already lost their first game. And he's a player that's loved by so many people, even Mexicans. And then the real, I guess, drama was that the Mexican coach was from Argentina and he had coached Messi beforehand. And there was another Argentinian player on the Mexican team as well. And so I guess a lot of Mexicans knew that we were gonna be set up for failure. And it's also just to like, Latin American countries, there's just a lot of emotions from the fans beforehand. And so in the World Cup in general, everyone was very prideful of their own country in general. And so that was kind of fun to watch.
2: And there were a couple of controversies surrounding this World Cup. One of them was that alcohol was supposed to be served at the stadium, and then in a last minute change, they didn't serve it. Yeah. I don't know, were people complaining? Were there still places to buy beer? What was that like?
0: Honestly, I did not see a lot of people complain. And I honestly thought that was a decision because the stadium themselves, the seats were so small that it was very easy for someone to lose their balance. So I honestly thought that if people were like drunk, there would have been accidents in the stadium. But the only thing that they sold in the stadiums were like Budweiser beer without alcohol. That was all they can get. I believe they did sell beer at the fan festival so you can find alcohol there but that's separate from all the stadiums
2: and what surprised you the most about your experience at the world cup
0: how proud you can get of your culture so one of the small business owners that i interviewed he was saying how for a lot of the times like he didn't like that his family's restaurant which is mexican restaurant was like loud and colorful and mismatched and he always wanted to have neutral colors and like muted colors and I kind of related to that quote a lot as well being like Mexican-American but in Qatar it was a good thing to be Mexican like there was a lot of Mexicans there and um, everyone just wanted to take pictures of Mexicans and things like that just because there was so many and like everyone was sporting a bright green jersey Um, and I think here in the U.S. like there were times that I didn't like being Mexican, but over there was like very, a good thing. And when me and my sister were getting ready to go to the cave, where I was like, oh my gosh, we look so Mexican. But sometimes like here in the US, that's an insult, like to look Mexican, I don't know why. But over there, it wasn't like, it was a good thing. So I guess that's one of the things that surprised me the most was seeing other people be so proud of their country it will also make you feel proud of where you come from and your country and yeah and just seeing people being supportive of one another and coming together for this game who might not come together outside of soccer and
2: I love that and did you have a least favorite or a disappointing part of your trip
0: yeah probably just like the amount of walking and stairs it took to get to the stadiums so it was just very chaotic to get to the game in the first place. The gates opened for every game three hours earlier. And I thought that was an exaggeration, but once you're actually there, it's just like thousands of people coming into these stadiums and you had to walk from where the cars and Uber drop you off. Like you had to walk like 20, 30 minutes, sometimes even 40 minutes to get to the stadium and then another lap to find your gate. And a lot of the times we had to go up to six, seven flights of like super steep stairs or just a lot of floors with no elevators. Wow. Um, Yeah, which was like the only bad thing. And then once you're there, like to get to your seat, like you have to go up more stairs. So that was the only bad thing I wish I would have known.
2: And then in terms of accommodation, I heard they built these huge hotel villages from shipping containers. Now, what was your accommodation like?
0: So because we were able to secure tickets in the first round, we were able to get better housing options. So we were able to get an apartment, a three-bedroom, three-bathroom apartment that was huge, had a kitchen, had a washing machine, everything. So I didn't have to stay in the fan villages.
2: And you were with who? Your sister and your grandparents?
0: Yeah, I went with my sister, my cousin, and my grandparents.
2: Was it your grandparents' first time traveling to the Middle East?
0: Yeah, it was. It was actually their first time traveling to another country that's not the U.S. or Mexico. My family's a big soccer family, so I just loved um, whenever we were watching the game. I loved looking over at my grandpa and just seeing like how happy he was. It was just really nice to spend that time with them.
2: Yeah. Did you feel like there was any element of culture shock for them? Was it really weird to be traveling outside of the U.S. and Mexico for the first time in their entire life?
0: It really wasn't, just because there were so many Mexicans there. (laughs) Like, in the airport, there was just so many Mexicans. Ten minutes had not passed, and they were already chatting up with, like, other Mexicans from also Mexico City.
1: Mexico plays again today against Saudi Arabia at 2 p.m. If you're in New York City, there are lots of great spots to watch. My advice, head to Corona, a neighborhood home to many Mexicans. There are plenty of bars and restaurants that will have the game on. One of them is Reinha's Churrasqueria on Northern Boulevard. Before we go, our new weekly update on monkeypox vaccines in New York City. Make sure to tune in for the latest information on vaccines, testing, care options, and much more.
3: Hi, I'm Sam Zacher, back with this week's New York City MPV update. Last week, we went over considerations on how to care for pets if you have contracted MPV. To learn more, check out last week's episode. Today, I'll be discussing whether minors can get testing and treatment for MPV in New York. As of October, New York State does allow minors to get MPV testing, treatment, and vaccination without a parent's consent. This change happened because New York State has temporarily designated MPV as a sexually transmitted infection, or STI. The designation will be reviewed periodically, and the most up-to-date information can be found at nyc.gov slash site slash doh slash providers slash health-topics slash monkeypox.page. Keep in mind that things are changing quickly, so if you have any specific questions or need help making a vaccine appointment, reach out to us directly at... Ac- Reach out to us directly at vaccine at epicenter nyc.com or call 917 818 2690. Thanks for listening. Join us weekly for more news and information on MPV in New York City.
1: For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.